Let me, let me kind of apologize up front in that because Paul uses sort of a sporting kind of illustration in working on this sermon, all my illustrations this week are very sporty and, and, um, and that will make me sound like I'm sporty, I'm not, okay? Um, so, so maybe like Matt Wielden should be giving this sermon or something like that, but there you go. Um, every now and then, you see someone who's like truly great at something and it's, it's stunning, right? In 2012, not long before the London Olympics, I was organizing a bunch of youth events that were kind of around the Olympics, and it's kind of a kind of build up to some of that. In June, uh, we had a, a special speaker for a youth thing, a guy named Daniel Cutting, all right? And just a few months before that, he had been on TV in Italy, and I want to tell you about that because he, he shared something that I feel like, I mean, I hope he's okay with me sharing this. Anyways, but um, it was a story that he shared when we were just chatting over lunch, and the, um, and it was just, it's stunning. And so basically, if I rewind a bit further, at one point he was on Italian TV, live TV, trying to break a world record. And I think that one, he broke that world record. At the time I met him, I think he had three world records, now he's got like 10, okay? But, as you do. Um, and at the time, he was trying to like make a living out of doing tricks with a football, which like, if you're young and you're trying to make a living, you think, you know, what are you going to be when you grow up? I'm going to do tricks with a football? Like, that's okay, haha. If you're in your 20s and you're trying to do that, it's an impressive, like, like, you've, like that's what he was doing when I met him, okay? So, he's on Italian TV. He breaks this world record. They call him up and they say, uh, we wonder if you'd come back on and we've got, we're gonna have someone on the show who's got the world record and on, in this particular trick, and you'll compete live with this person for the world record on, on TV. Um, and, and they asked, would you do it? And of, and of course, he said yes. And he hung up the phone, realizing that it was a trick that he had never done before, and he had to look it up, okay? Like, I love this. And not only that, but it's also not it's kind of a football trick, but not completely. Basically, the trick goes like this. It's, it's a shoulder roll or something like that, where basically you're supposed to roll a football across your shoulder blade and around your, across your arms, and each rotation counts as one, and you're supposed to do the, the most of those as possible within one minute, okay? So he had committed to do this trick for the world record on live TV, and by the way, it gets even more complicated. If you're competing for the world record, the only way you have any chance is if your body is spinning the entire time, <laughs> right? And so, um, so basically, he, he said that, they, they said it was in six months. He said, and this, was, this happened just a few months before I met him, he said that basically he had spent six months making himself sick over and over again, trying to train his body to spin with the control necessary. He goes on Italian TV, breaks the world record for that with 69 spins in one minute while balancing a ball doing that sort of thing. Absolutely insane, right? But see, here's the thing. Every now and then you get to see true greatness at something. And it's, and it's stunning. But here's what's challenging to me is that something that should be far more, and maybe, like maybe for you, you can put effort into your work. Like maybe if you were to go, what am I truly great at? You'd go, you might be able to identify something. And maybe not. A lot of us would be like, you know. 
What's sad to me is that often the effort we put into our spiritual life, our spiritual growth, into living for Christ is, is minor, right? And, and even, even worse, sometimes we blame other people for a lack of spiritual growth. Well, it's easier to blame the preacher for a bad sermon, right? Or to blame the worship leader for not picking my songs. <laughs> And there's a challenge very much in Scripture that we are meant to take responsibility for our spiritual growth. That we should resolve to meet with God, to grow in our faith. The sermon might help, the worship might help, but we will strive toward this end. And we will be wise and cunning in how we do so. Like, I find it humbling that if you or I were like, challenged to do something big like run a marathon. We would plan for months or maybe years to build up to running a marathon. And yet with our spiritual growth, often it's just like, well, maybe I need to pray a little bit more or read my Bible a little bit more. I don't know about you, but I find that challenging, right? And yet when we look at what Paul says here, his challenge is, is very clear. Like he says in verse 12, I press on. Verse 13, one thing I do, like there's this sense of focus. Verse 13, straining toward what is ahead. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. Uh, there's a, a similar passage, similar line of thought in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 and 25, which says it this way. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Right? To do anything great requires discipline and hard work, and it raises the question, then what are you willing to work for, especially in regard to your faith, which is so much more valuable than anything else? Okay? So that's, that's kind of the drive that Paul is, is giving in our passage. But then what he does is he gives us some helpful things, some things that might help you in kind of trying to live this out. And there's a lot that could be said, but I want to focus on what he does here. And I, this will be kind of brief, but I hope there's some things here that you might be able to go, hold on, that's something for me to grab onto. Okay, you ready for this? And so here's the three things I want to think about in this passage. Our foundation, our goal, and our means. It'll make sense. First, our foundation. Paul says of himself that Jesus took hold of me. Great phrase. I hope that many of us could say the same thing. And the passage speaks of forgiveness when Paul says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. And then finally, our citizenship. In verse 20, that our citizenship is in heaven. Like throughout the passage, again and again, he comes back to this foundation that we have, how we see ourselves, how we understand reality, that is as a people that are forgiven and that are already citizens of heaven. And, and see, it's important that we have this foundation in place when we talk about the effort that we put in as Christians. We make progress not from a sense of judgment or trying to earn something by our effort, but from a place of confidence and belonging. 
Your salvation isn't something you, you earn. Your sanctification is something that you only do with God's help. And yet, of course, you're working with God in your sanctification. And so with this, something that can be really helpful is, is to just consider your foundation. God wants you to prog progress out of a sense of belonging and being loved. And so first of all, there's the sense of what's your foundation? Are you aware of your foundation as a, as a citizen of heaven, as someone who is forgiven? Uh, secondly, see in our passage, this idea of our goal. We're, we're supposed to be living for what really matters. Mars explored this last week in regard to losing the world to gain Jesus, that everything else is a loss compared to knowing Jesus. And this sense of our goal should create a healthy, what I would call a healthy discontent within us. That, like, like Paul, Paul was this absolute legend of the faith, and yet when you read this passage, he's got a healthy discontent with where he's at. He's still striving for what, where he will finally get to, where he's for the prize, right? He's not happy. Like, it's, it's almost like, Lord, this would be like a prayer for us. Lord, wake us from apathy. Wake us from apathy. Paul isn't content. He has a healthy discontent. In the same way, we should have a sense of our goal, where we're heading, what we're, what we're working toward. Lord, wake us from apathy. And so Paul says very much that. He, says, he refers to his goal in verse 12. I pressed on toward the goal, verse 14, to win the prize, verse 14. We're tempted to focus on earthly things, but our citizenship in this passage is in heaven. Or as Paul says it back in 1 Corinthians 9.25, we are striving for a crown that will last. And so that's the second thing that I think is really helpful in what Paul says here. In that, do you know what? Our, we can easily get distracted with lots of different things. And sometimes it's important for us to come back to what we're living for, what really matters, our goal, because it helps to focus our energy and drive. Okay, so first our foundation, second our goal, and then finally our means. And of course, there's more that could be said, but I'm focusing on just what he's shared here. And it's this idea of learning from others, both good and bad. And he gives several verses to this. And so first of all, learning from the good example of others. Verse 17, check this out. Join together in following my example. So first of all, the example of, of his life, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, so us as a model, that's referring to him and other leaders of the church, people like Timothy, um, and, and the, the example that they are. And then he says, keep your eyes on those who live as we do, even wider than just Paul or other church leadership it has this right, right on through, following the example of people that are a good example, people that are a model, people that we can look to. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. And there's something incredibly powerful about seeing the, the way that other people are living the Christian life in a way that is good and being able to almost emulate that, to follow their example. Um, some people will be familiar with a famous YouTuber, 
a guy named um, Casey Neistat. Has anybody ever come across him? Couple people. Anyways, um, he's got a video. It's worth watching. Spoiler alert. I'm going to tell you what happens in the video. But, um, but basically, what happens is he, when he was in his 20s, he was, in a, he was hit by a car. And his leg was shattered, and they had to replace much of it with metal. And he was told by the doctors that he'd never run again. And so what, what he decided to do, like in that moment, when he was told that he would never run again, he made a resolution with himself that he would heal, run again, but more than that, that he'd run a marathon, and he'd do it in under three hours. Which, by the way, is really hard, but you know, whatever. Okay. Um, and so he healed, he ran again, he tried to run a marathon in under three hours and failed again and again and again. In fact, he failed over and over for like 20 years. And then he did something, now obviously with the way I'm telling this, you'll realize it's coming to a good end, but you know. Um, but then he, what he did, he did something that is incredibly clever. In his 40s, his times are getting worse, He's seeing that it's probably going to become less likely than more likely. He's getting a little bit desperate as to whether he'll ever really be able to beat this goal. And what he did is he hired, and now you've got to have money for this, right? Um, he hired an Olympic-level coach to train him, to help him, and to run by his side. And as you can imagine, his times went right down. He still didn't beat three hours. He still had to try several times. And finally, he beat three hours. But now notice the wisdom in that. An Olympic level, someone who, is, who can do it, someone who's able to train him, able to tell him the right things, someone who's able to run by his side. You can see him in the video literally running lockstep with that person side, by him, stride by stride, right? And Paul here is saying that we should be looking to people that are ahead of us in the Christian walk. People that we can be like, we can keep our eyes on them, or kind of in this idea of the illustration I've been using, be running in step with them. But then also Paul turns toward learning from the negative example, the failure of others. By the way, we should probably take electronic toys out of that area, don't you think? Anyways, bless them, but, you know, just moving on. Um, we should learn from the negative example of others, the failure of others. Paul feels pain over those that walk away from Christ. He even says that he writes this with tears in verse 18. He says that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ in verse 18. And notice how he describes their lives in verse 19. And this is humbling because, like, some of what's here, we could all at times go, maybe my life's like that sometimes, right? He says this. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But then he contrasts with what he wants us to be. Verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven. And so notice their goal and their means toward that goal. Their goal is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Their goal is earthly things. Contrasted with, for us, our goal being our citizenship is in heaven.
And so it's worth recognizing from what Paul has said here, the importance of our foundation, the importance of being aware of our goal, and the importance of learning from others, both good and bad, to help us in the right direction. Um, in closing, let me pull this together with, with a kind of an illustration that connects with, again, Paul's main drive of this passage. And I want to challenge us really to, to what, what I would call having, toward what I would call being having a, a, a competitive mindset when it comes to our faith. Let me explain. Um, but first of all, I've got to indulge me for just a moment. Um, I like the Golden State Warriors. Now, this is something I actually like when it comes to sports, okay? There you go. I like the Golden State Warriors, American basketball. If you don't connect, don't worry, you'll get what I'm saying, okay? Um, but basically, this year they've had loads of really close games. And what's really interesting is when two teams are really close, close, it brings out the best sometimes in both of those teams. And so, for example, recently they had a game in which the lead, the team that was in the lead, changed something more than 20 times. Somewhere in the middle of it, it was like 20 times. It was more than that, okay? So back and forth, again and again, just clawing and fighting. They were playing so well, it was, it was fantastic to watch. You get right to the end of the game, and my team, there's like three seconds left on the clock or something like that. My team's able to inbound it from the side, and they're behind by two points, okay? And, of course, the other team knows not to let the ball get to my favorite player, Steph Curry, right? And so what happens is there's a ball. The ball is whipped in from the sideline to the other side of the court. It just misses the fingers of some guy who's like, his job is to stop the ball from getting to Steph Curry, right? Then there's another guy who's like hurtling through the air because... If he can get Steph Curry even just to hesitate for a moment, the time will run out. So Steph Curry has to lunge backwards to get the ball, spin, and then shoot over the top of someone else who's flying through the air, a, a deep three-point shot, and it goes in, right? <laughs> this is a great moment. I, yeah. Now... I share that just to kind of think like there's this Paul uses this idea of a competitive mindset. He, he says, 1 Corinthians 9.24, run in such a way as to get the prize. Or Philippians 3 verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. And this is not, it's not a competitive mindset in that we're like running to beat someone else, Right? But it's this idea of a mindset that's kind of like bringing our best to our spiritual growth, to our faith, to our right living before God. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would help us with this. Father, I pray that you would encourage us, that you encourage us with our foundation, encourage us with our goal, encourage us with the example of others. Pray that you'd help us to know for ourselves how we can live this out more. I pray that you'd capture our hearts with what really matters. In Jesus' name, amen.